0: Alrighty, Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Maker Show. So very, very excited today again. We have someone that I think we're going to learn quite a bit. Really, really interesting background, too. And I think that without further ado here, Lydia Jan, welcome to the show today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So how was uh, life, uh, being born and raised uh, there in, in Shanghai?
1: Um, it's, uh, as an immigrant, it's a little bit different, for sure. Um, English is not my first language. And uh, um, I was born in Shanghai, China, so I speak both Mandarin Chinese and Shanghainese and a little bit Cantonese. Um, I came to the U.S. Uh, when I, after I finished my college, um, and since then, I stayed here.
0: And, and you came here for, for doing your master's degree in, in communication management, is that right?
1: That's right. Uh, I went to USC, and I got a master's degree in communication management.
0: But why the U.S.? Why the U.S., Lydia?
1: Well, uh, I remember when I was in high school, um, I went to a school called Shanghai Foreign Language School. And... uh, um we had an American teacher, <laughs> and she's great. Um, I really, really liked her. So she was talking about how American education is different because we really enjoying her class because she encouraged, you know, we, we can raise our hands to ask any questions. very different from the traditional Chinese education. Your teacher is always right, right? So I think we kind of got influenced by her and I really wanted to go to the US to pursue higher education. So after graduating from college in China, I applied for Kapo Colleges grad school in the US. I got accepted by University of Virginia first. So I actually my first stop was UVA and I was pursuing a master's degree in Italian uh, literature. Uh, because I did um, minor in Italian when I was in college. Uh, and I also get a teaching assistantship. Um, so my tuition was covered. Um, right. It's a it's great for me as um, a student. Um, right. When I came over to the UVA, and uh, it was a great one year. Um, then I realized that, you know, this isn't something that I really wanted to pursue. I didn't really want to be a professor. So I applied for um, other schools. I got accepted by both uh, NYU and USC uh, for both communication programs. And I chose USC because it has higher ranking. It's actually Annenberg is the number one communication school in the nation. So um, I transferred to the West Coast.
0: So then what did you do right after graduating?
1: Um, I worked in different companies, mostly in marketing, advertising agency, e-commerce company. Prior to New uh, Next, I worked at uh, an e-commerce company called New Ag. It's a $2 billion private company um, focusing on electronics. And I was their marketing executive and a mobile marketing manager. I manage about $20 million yearly marketing budget. And it's a little bit different from, you know, typical Silicon Valley startups. It's uh, it's a company with 20 years history and focus more on profitability. So um, in that company, marketing was actually the driving force for sales. So we actually managed to keep the cost of sale under 1%. It's actually very, very efficient.
0: So how how do you land there? Because the um, your background was not specifically in in marketing. I mean, you did some uh, PR and 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 so forth. And but 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 how all of a sudden you see yourself managing this really big budget and and doing marketing?
1: Yeah, I was really wanted. I actually in the past, you know. When I graduated from USC, I wanted to be a journalist because I'm an immigrant and my English is not so great. So, um, so I wanted to pivot to some areas that is close to you know, journalism. So I went to a PR agency. But with the, e- the, the growth of e-commerce companies, I realized like this is the future, right? So um, I chose a company that is close to my home, which is an e-commerce company, uh, which is Newegg. Um, and also, we actually, I learned a lot there. Um, it's different from a lot of typical startups. It's very frugal, it's scrappy, and a focus on making money. Um, it's very different from large e-commerce companies, um, you know, out there. So, um, so yeah. I was their marketing executive, and I also built their mobile app. So, I got really interested in technology, and I wanted to pursue a career in this direction.
0: Mm and you were there for close to 2 years is that right that's right and and what were some of your biggest uh, takeaways i mean here you are you know in in the us so obviously completely different dynamics and and culture to, to China. And by the way, you know, I've lived this as well, you know, being Spanish and, and I can relate when you talk about language because sometimes I feel like I'm speaking Spanglish, but, <laughs> uh, but, but I, I know, I know the drill, but, but I guess, I guess, you know, for you, what were some of the biggest takeaways from, from working at Newark?
1: Um, I think the biggest takeaway is learning how to make the company profitable it is very important because at the end of the day, no matter how much money you raise for your company, you, you will end up making a business, right? If you wanted to build a sustainable business. So this is the biggest takeaway I learned from New ag. Uh, Even though New ag is really this, not the superstar e-commerce company. And a lot of people from Silicon Valley have never heard of them. And it's a true business. Um, so that's, that's actually very valuable experience that I learned is really to be scrappy and the learning how to make money and how to make the company profitable.
0: Mm. So then, so then, how does the incubation of the idea of next trucking happen? Because at what point, you know, like you've started to get that idea, you know, in the back of your head, and and walk us through 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 what what happened? What was that transition for you?
1: So, um, my family has been in logistics for over a decade, and uh, my husband runs a 3PL company. And uh, I, the other day, I went to his office, and instead of industry, it's chaotic. Like, people were fighting, and... Uh, you know, we have a dispatcher literally spend two hours trying to cover one load. It's very, very inefficient. So, you know, traditionally, drivers rely on brokers to find them loads via phone calls or text messages, sometimes even emails or fax. And a lot of back and forth negotiations and a load can take hours to be covered. So that's That's what my experience about trucking industry, you know, it's mail driven, it's chaotic, there's no technology. So that's why I was never interested in it. But it was really like that day really made me determine that I wanted to do something for this industry is why it is so inefficient and by looking at the softwares you know my family company was using it looks like something that was built 20 years ago and uh, you know it's FTP based and it's black, black and gray and it looks like a DOS system
0: right. um,
1: and it's so it was like wow there's nobody really care about trucking industry and but it's a 800 billion dollar industry it's really the core of our economy there are 3.5 million truck drivers out there and if people don't have anything any technologies it's primarily phone calls and i remember another story is a driver from one of the largest trucking companies came to our warehouse and to pick up a load and he literally give us a piece of paper with his, uh, you know, scribbled you know numbers on it. So the warehouse actually spent three hours trying to locate that load and uh, they couldn't find it. At the end of the day, they realized that the driver had the wrong number on that piece of paper. And it's a multi-billion dollar trucking company. So I was like, this is ridiculous. We have to do something um, to the industry. So we actually talked to tons of drivers and came up with a marketplace idea, you know, how we can really efficiently connect shippers with carriers. And I remember when we came up with this idea and we shared it with several drivers, and some drivers even wanted to take picture with us. They were like... If you can really do this, it will change our life. You're gonna be famous. <laughs> I remember, like, two drivers actually snapped a picture with us. That was <laughs> October 2015.
0: Yeah, nice. Nice. So, th- so then, so then, at what point were you like, hey, okay, you know, we're 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 gonna pull the trigger. Let's let's make it happen.
1: I think immediately after interviewing, I think we did a, like almost a hundred drivers interviews, and we really feel the urgency to make this happen because it's so big, it's so chaotic, it's so fragmented, and there's no technology. So and also those drivers wanting to make it happen and understanding that it will eventually change their lives inspired us because we know what we're gonna going to develop is not just an app. It's it's gonna be a life changing product. It's gonna change the industry fundamentally
0: and i think that getting to product market fit you know it's it's so important being close to your customers and and asking the right questions so for this for this process or for this phase where where you were doing all these interviews did you have like a set of questions that that were the same that you were asking to people and then understanding what data you were getting from those? Or what was the process?
1: I think we're very lucky because um, the family has been in industry for a long time. We have access to a lot of drivers. The company is located in the logistics zone. So we're surrounded by warehouses, truck drivers. So it's very easy to access to them. And you naturally hear complaints from the drivers why it is like this. So we prepared uh, a set of like 20 questions, but actually drivers give us more feedback than we needed and to build something really for them. Um, We call ourselves the first trucker-centric marketplace because we wanted to build a marketplace empowering truck drivers because we realized after talking to all the truck drivers, they have their own preferences. You know, some of the drivers prefer to stay local. Some of them wanted to go to a certain state. Some of them do not want to work over the weekend. So everyone has their own preferences in terms of destinations, their own availabilities. So that's why we came up with this idea. Let's connect drivers with the load that they wanted to haul so we can eliminate the back and forth. Negotiations and the drivers can be more efficient. They can haul more loads and they can more make more money. Mm.
0: So, so then, so then, once you had um, uh, you were really clear on this. Then it was time to really think about people and and what was the founding team of, of next trucking?
1: Our founding team was really scrappy. <laughs> I pulled a couple co-workers from UAG um, to join us. And me, my husband, and the two engineers, we started this. And we literally worked the day and night uh, trying to push out the first prototype. And it didn't really work, actually, the first one. um, Because uh, what we did is um, we actually asked the drivers to post their truck. Because we, we basically said, okay, driver, if you know this is what you want, why don't you let the marketplace know this is what you want? And we realized that drivers are more reactive. They wanted to see the available load. So that's how we evolve and uh, it is what we are today. We implemented predictive load offering capability. So we study drivers' behavior, their preferences, and we give their preferred loads to them upfront. So they do not need to choose or select and we organize routes for them so they are more efficient. Um, obviously everything evolves throughout three years and the first product type wasn't really what we thought it is. Um, but I think we're very happy, uh, with progress that we made, obviously the company grew rapidly and we have, uh, a lot of happy users now.
0: And, you know, it's really funny, uh, Lydia, because we're, we're talking and, and it's just reminding me of my story again, because I, I built one of my businesses with my wife. So (laughs) I, I understand the, uh, the dynamics. So for the listeners that are listening, that maybe they're doing something with a a family member or perhaps with their husband or wife, what piece of advice or what have you learned from, from doing this with your husband?
1: Well, a lot of people say that you need to choose your business partner carefully because it's like marriage. So I guess working with your spouse is actually an advantage because you're married already. Um, I think me and my husband actually make great partners. His experiences in logistics and my experience in marketing and product, it's a great marriage of skill set. And we know each other for 12 years and we understand each other very well, our personalities, strengths and weaknesses. So we are complementary to each other. And of course, we try to... Manage, you know, only our own areas. For example, right now I'm the CEO of the company, and uh, um, he's uh, running the sales team. So we do have our own area of expertise.
0: And is there? I mean, one of the things that that I experienced was that look, you 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 wake up with it, and you go to sleep with it because you can't disconnect because your husband is right there. Yeah. So so I guess like, do you were you guys able to really find a way to find the balance?
1: Yeah, I think well, we we actually agreed upon um, we do not discuss work over the weekend. So even though sometimes we we still work, but we try not to talk to each other about work because. Uh, Running a company, uh, a rapid-growing company like this is really stressful. Um, yeah. So we wanted to give us um, some private time over the weekend. So we go to movies. We bring our dog to a lazy dog restaurant and go to the beach, um, try to relax. And... Uh, I like to, um, I actually downloaded app.com and I really like it. It's a meditation. Um, oh, I
0: love it. I love it too.
1: Yeah, I love it. And uh, my husband loves, you know, basketballs. And so he relaxed by watching games. Um, we actually do have tickets, season ticket going to, you know, Clippers game and Lakers game. So trying to nice. find a way to balance ourselves.
0: Well, definitely when I'm in LA, I'll hit you guys up to see if I can squeeze in, you know, in those seats. So, um,
1: so,
0: so so, so Lydia, so, so then I see, I mean, that you guys, um, actually raised capital quite, quite early on. So, so could you kind of like walk us through what was the process of, of capitalizing the business?
1: Yeah, because prior to, um, Next to NNU Ag, I had another startup called Nine Lux, and it was in China. So um, it's very similar to Gilt. Uh, It's a flash sale website. And because of my family background in logistics, I actually was able to um, move merchandise from the U.S. to China. And the business was uh, quickly profitable after six-month launch of the website. Um, And I was able to export goods to China without too much difficulties. However, um, the competition was brutal in China. And I remember back then there are hundreds of flash sale websites um, coming out and uh, and we didn't raise any money. Basically, um, I borrowed the money from the family and we started this uh, website. And uh, literally after a year, we got squeezed out of the market because we realized that if you have a good business model and there, you will have competitors, and the speed is the only competitive advantage. So that's how we know, like before we even founded Next to Trucking, I know it is important to really partner ourselves with venture capitals because we know. Um, you know, trucking is a uh, is a high cash flow business, and uh, um, it requires a lot of capital and resources. So um, when we came up with the idea, I start I actually started to uh, fund fundraising, even though I didn't know any VCs in the U.S. Um, it was a quite Tough process. Um, I literally linked, you know, added people on LinkedIn, and went to every single event uh, in Southern California, tried to put myself in front of all the entrepreneurs or or VCs, and tried to pitch them on spot, Made a lot of mistakes, um, and uh, finally landed us the first uh, seed fund. Uh, we raised very very little money for the first uh, a year and a half until we got on um, Sequoia and Brookfield.
0: Because you raised, uh, I think it was uh, 5 million, right? What you raised before you got Sequoia on the Series B?
1: You're right. right. We raised some seed money and like literally when we started and it's, I remember it's $120,000. I said, it's the happiest check on earth. It really got us started. Um, Then we raised, I remember a little bit over half million dollars in three months and the raised to $5 million, uh, the end of the first year. And that was a very difficult process for fundraising because nobody knew us. And uh, we are not the typical Silicon Valley startup funders because the both of us are not engineers, and we didn't have engineering background or product background, um, so it was a very tough process. It literally took me almost four months to close the round, and then we raised the money from China Equity Group CEG Ventures. Um, it's a it's a early stage fund. Um, actually, headquartered in China, they have an office in Palo Alto as well. Um, they got us start uh, really continue to do the business because we actually grew rapidly um the first year we did 11 million dollars in revenue and we were profitable i was very confident wow. when i set out to do fundraising but it was very very tough um, so
0: 11 million in the first year lydia i mean uh, we we gotta stop here just one second because probably people listening are, are like whoa so so how did you do 11 million in the first year lydia what do you think clicked so well to to, to get to that
1: I think our family relationship in logistics really got us um, a kickstart because we actually know a lot of uh, shippers ourselves and we know a lot of drivers ourselves up front. So this first group of shippers and carriers are our relationship, and they actually became our great spokesperson. So later on, it's a lot easier for us to open doors to new shippers and new carriers because it's purely word of mouth. And so shippers talk to each other, and the carrier talk to each other, and we naturally got a lot of tractions in the market. And this is the first. like there wasn't any product like this in the market. It's like so new and it's so fancy for the industry. Like it's eye opening for a lot of shippers when we did a demo. So we instantly opened a lot of accounts um, when we really launched the product. So we grew really rapidly and uh, and very, very profitable the first year. And we surprised ourselves like how – how fast the business grew because it's really something that the industry was uh, really asking for for the longest of time, but nobody built something like that.
0: But one thing that 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 it's it I'm like amazed is that here you are, you have this really impressive metrics and incredible revenue traction, and you're still finding trouble to really raise money.
1: Yeah, I think the Silicon Valley mentality is if a company started by, you know, um, super talented engineers or product folks can really nail it. Right. So even though we have some revenue tractions, it's not very sexy to a lot of venture capitalists until Series B. like we for Series B were actually approached by several investors um, because the company was growing rapidly. We doubled the revenue and there was very little capital that we raised and it was profitable because at the same time, several other tech startups in trucking space failed in the very short amount of time. So investors suddenly realized that trucking is actually more complicated than most of the people thought it was. And it has a hurdles. It has barriers. It does require some experience and knowledge in the industry to really kick this off. So that's how we got Sequoia on the belt um, after um, two years.
0: Nice. And Sequoia, I mean, it's a, you went from having trouble to getting the absolute best investor that they, that any startup can, can think of. I mean, Sequoia is really incredible. So So then how much capital have you guys raised to date?
1: We raised a total of $125 million. So our Series B was led by Sequoia Capital, and uh, our Series C was led by Brookfield Ventures. And we're very lucky to have the best investors that we can possibly ask for. Everybody knows Sequoia, and we really like our partner, Omar. He was the, uh, the founder of AdMob. The reason why we picked a Sequoia is really because all Sequoia partners have um, hands-on experiences as an entrepreneur. Um, they they're either in op- you know product and operations. Then like Omar gave us a lot of great valuable advices and actually the whole Sequoia team has been nothing but supportive from talent acquisition to legal advices from product operations all the way to business development and for Series C we were actually approached by more VCs like I remember back you know when we were raising like we were approached by VCs every other week, like people just to come to our office, Um, you know, like.
0: They would just show up? (laughs) Yeah, they (laughs) they would just show up.
1: up. Yeah, we have a lot of VCs coming in because the company continued to grow and uh, we sort of built a name for ourselves. And Brookfield actually found us because they saw our trucks because we we put some stickers on our, um, you know, on our trailers. So they saw our trucks in terminals and the, because Brookfield is one of the largest asset company in the world, they manage $450 billion worth of assets, including terminals and warehouses. So our partner Josh and his associate Nick have deep knowledge in logistics. That's also the reason why we chose to partner with Brookfield this round, because we have the best venture capital with us. And that we were looking for people and partners who have knowledge in logistics because most of the traditional VCs don't have much knowledge about logistics. It's so new to the VC world, and uh, Brookfield has deep knowledge, and they actually provided us valuable resources traditional VCs don't have. And I have to say, we have we're very very fortunate to have the best investors.
0: That's amazing. That's amazing. You know, it's it's funny because. Many VCs they're like, oh, we add value, we add value, but at the end of the day, there's just a small bunch that are able to to really add a value. And I think that what you're pointing to of what, for example, Sequoia has been able to do in terms of support from legal, from marketing, from HR, I think that that's really how how folks can really contribute by by being you know there with you as an investor. You know? So. Glad that you that you touched on that. So so then so then I guess I guess in terms of the of the business itself, let's say it next, how 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 big is Next tracking today?
1: We have a total of hundred thirty employees uh, in LA, and we also have a small team in China, and we're looking to hire another one hundred fifty employees by the end of the year. So our goal is really to grow as much as possible in the LA market. Um, We primarily focus on Southern California at this point. We build lanes from SoCal to NorCal, Arizona, Texas, Nevada. And we're very big with drainage. It's really from hauling an ocean container from the port to a local warehouse. So that's also why we found Brookfield partnership super interesting is because they own terminals. So uh, we do have some leverages in the relationship at LA, Long Beach Terminals, who can really help us build up our business. And uh, drainage also is more complicated than over-the-road trucking. So we really wanted to resolve this problem because it's been there for so long and then no company really focused on it. Um, so we wanted to be the first one and. the uh, a great company that can eventually resolve drainage problems and terminal congestions.
0: And it seems that uh, Lydia, you guys were in a spot that that many entrepreneurs would love to be at. You know, when you were literally at your Series B, people knocking on your door to to be able to invest in, and people showing up your office, which is which is really funny. Um, I guess I guess what were some of the traits, and this goes for for the founders out there that are tuning in. What were some of the traits that you were thinking that were an absolute must for you to to let them invest?
1: Um, I think you have to deliver, right? Um, at the end of the day, investors want great business, want to build billion dollar companies, and we're we're lucky that we're in a very good space. It's just such a ginormous space. Like trucking alone, it's eight hundred billion dollars. drainage is sixty billion dollars. So it's a ginormous industry that is screaming for help. So we are doing the right thing at the right time. And we're doing, the we're, our product is a perfect market fit. So timing is very important. Product market fit is very important. And execution is really the key component to success. And, uh, you know, initially when we were small and we didn't have a lot of capitals, you know, we worked like, even, like, me and my partners, like, everyone working multiple functions. So we worked many hours because we didn't have resources to hire a lot of people. And when the company grew and we, like, now we focus on really building a great, fantastic team and focusing on how we can, you know, allow all the rock stars to work together and then roll forward as a team. So now, so at different stages, we focus on different things, you know, at the end of the day, we have to deliver um, and we have to keep our promise. It's the promise to the shareholders, to venture capitalists, to investors, also to our employees.
0: But were there like certain qualities that you requested or that, let's say, you knew with your leadership team that? that we're gonna be must if you would let an investor make an investment in your business?
1: I think first of all, I like people who are truly passionate about what we're doing. Not really because next is going to be a multi billion dollar company or we're doing something that is in a huge space. It's truly interested in solving a problem and thinking about the users. So that's very different because, you know, the, the, the venture space is so hot and there are a lot of, you know, lures out there. Um, if the person is only money or cash driven, and I wouldn't want this person to be on my executive team. They have to be genuinely in interested and passionate about what we are doing understand and share our vision of the company because those people will truly care about the company and build the company with us
0: mm. so so i guess say uh, entrepreneurship so entrepreneurship and and building a business i mean you had the uh the experience in the past as well you know where where things didn't work as as, as well as you would have hoped but here you have a rocket ship and and also in rocket ships, you have highs and, and you also have lows. But I guess in, in your case, Lydia, what was one moment that was very dark for you, that was a tough, a tough moment? And how did you overcome that that moment? What was the breakthrough?
1: Um, I We have a lot of up and, low and downs. Um, so, you know, almost every other month we have things that we have to overcome. And uh, we... I think it's as a founder, it is very important to keep calm and trying to really resolve the problems instead of fighting the symptoms. And uh, actually we made mistakes before too. Like we're trying to get ourselves into the weeds, trying to solve the problems ourselves, and we didn't really empower the team. So I think with the growth of the company, we I think one thing is very important is to trust the team that you know everything is in good hands it's actually is one of our company values and also our company mission is really to empower the drivers to work the way they want when they want so this is is really rooted in the spines of our team because we are very we, we, we're we almost uh, obsessive when it comes to obsessed with, uh, you know, driver focus. We wanted to make sure that everything we do is pro truck drivers and is really helping them to have a better life. Um, and actually the fact is we are changing the driver's life. I remember there's one driver came to our office for a focus group and he broke down because, um, he actually cried and when we were doing the focus group. He said how much he appreciated next trucking because we changed his life. And, wow. uh, um, you know, in the past, that he was going to terminal, stuck there for seven hours, uh, barely making any money. But now with us, and you know, he can go home whenever he wants to spend time with his wife and the kids. And also he makes a lot more money because he does work very hard. But in the past, even though he, no matter how hard he works, he's limited about inefficiency, but now his routes are more efficient. We organize more routes for him. And also um, he doesn't really spend time you know, we call it head. It's like driving the uh, the miles that don't really generate any profit. And also he's more flexible. Um, he's actually trying to get more trucks because in the past he's own operator just he has his own truck and driving himself. And now he's trying to get multiple trucks and form his own small business, uh, a small fleet. So that's exactly what inspired us in our team because it's not an app. It's a... Uh, it's changing people's life.
0: Oh, for sure, for sure. And 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 I'm sure that that at the end of the day is the um what what makes you really think twice when when you have a down day, you just keep reminding yourself why you started in in first place. So 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 it's nothing like the customers as long as they continue to click and they continue to 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 have their life changed, everything everything makes sense. So so Lydia, one one thing that that comes to mind here is um as you're thinking about, for example, being in a rocket ship like this, because there's only a handful of companies that have this, this, this type of tremendous growth really on, on a yearly basis uh, that are startups. I guess, I guess what are the typical challenge of, of, of a company that grows so fast? What, what keeps you up at night?
1: I think one is talent acquisition and one is talent retention, right? So hiring the right people is very, very important to us. And we made mistakes too. Um, I think it's that's why right now we do a lot of... Uh, interviews not just the once or twice we have a very uh, sophisticated interview and uh, um, reviewing process especially for leaderships so we wanted to make sure we put the right people in the right chair and also empower them and allow them to really manage their team and also wanted to make sure everyone aligns with our vision and company culture Um, so that is very important to us as well
0: so when you say a sophisticated process, what that does what what is that process? What does it, what does the process look like?
1: So we have uh, a set of questions we ask. Um, so it's not like you know meet and greet. So when no. um, I so for executives, we will actually also do a lot of um, back channel references to the personnel, and on top of that we ask a set of questions that is related to our culture. And one of our culture committee people will be on the interview panel and all multiple of us will be on it. And uh, uh, we have to vote to make sure that you know, the person is aligned and everyone likes this person because at the end of the day, as uh, you said, your partner is uh, like marriage, right? We wanted yeah. to have a great marriage and we wanted to bring the best of people, not only the most talented people, but the talented people who can work as a group.
0: And, and I guess when you're asking those questions, I'm sure there's one question that you're waiting to hear the answer. What is that question?
1: A uh, Question to who? I'm sorry.
0: To the people that you're interviewing, you said that there's a set of questions. I'm sure there is one question that you're like, I really want to hear what he's going to say on the answer.
1: Uh, okay. So, so I actually always ask people about their own weaknesses um, because I wanted to hear genuine feedback because nobody's perfect, right? No matter how talented you are. I always will ask this question, like, what do you think is your biggest flaw in terms of management? And uh, I like to hear genuine, because it's very important. I think for a lot of successful entrepreneurs or leaders, self-awareness is important. Um, I think it's a common characters for most successful entrepreneurs is they're aware of their own weaknesses. So that's why I wanted to I always ask this question, and this is one of the um, the of questions I always ask, especially to my direct report, is uh, I want them to tell me, you know, their weaknesses and how they wanted to work with their weaknesses and uh, to really show that, you know, they are aware of it.
0: Mm, really, really interesting. So, so Lydia, in a, in a world where the vision of next tracking has been fully realized, what does that world look like?
1: We wanted to see a very, very automated terminal, and we wanted to see containers flowing out of terminals without any delays, and containers coming back to the terminals without any congestions. That's the world that I wanted to see. And obviously, I wanted to see all the trucks with our little stickers on it. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, so Lydia, one one question that that I always ask the um, the guests that we have on the show is, uh, I mean, you you you've been at it. You know, this is your second rodeo and an incredible uh, journey. Uh, if you if you had the opportunity to sit down with with your younger self and give that younger self one piece of business advice, what would that be and why?
1: I think I made a lot of mistakes um, through this journey. And, uh, I think I would tell myself is to, I think in the past, you know, I, I am usually, I like to do things myself because I, I consider myself a quick learner and a, a quick doer. Um, but I think it's important to bear this word trust in mind all the time. Um, is really to bring the right people and to trust them and trust that it's in the good hands that's also the reason why we embedded this in our company values
0: and and as you're thinking about mistakes for example like uh, how do you reflect on them so that you can really learn and and get the most lessons out of out of those failures
1: uh you're talking about the the mistakes like when
0: we're thinking when we're thinking about mistakes because mm-hmm. at the end of the day you know you either succeed or you learn I mean that's the way it works. So, so when you learn, when you haven't achieved the success on an initiative, like how do you really reflect to 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 get the most value from a lessons perspective?
1: Uh how do I really get the the values from perspective? Um, I think I think one of my advantage, my quality, I think I have is I do have self awareness, and uh, I do really look into my weaknesses. And also I'm actually in the process of hiring an executive uh, coach. To really, because the company grows so fast, and uh, I'm trying, you know, uh, uh, and I'm trying to be an executive that adapts into different stages very, very fast, um, from a very small company to a good-sized company to hopefully to a significant-sized company in a short amount of time. So, it does take some effort to adapt and change. Um, I think what I, the valuable lesson I have is, be a good lender. And learn and adapt quickly, learn from your peers, learn from your investors, learn from your users, and uh, be a great listener and empower your team.
0: That's it. Being a great listener. That's why we have one mouth and two ears. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So, So, Lydia, for the folks that are listening, what is the best way for them to reach out and say hi?
1: Uh, we are on nexttrucking.com and we also, the phone number is listed online. So feel free to call us anytime. We have a very supportive team to uh, connect with you, answer any questions that you may have. And you can also download our app, Next Trucking, from App Stores.
0: Amazing. Well, Lydia, thank you so much for being on the DealMaker Show today.
1: Thank you so much for having me